It's the first Prez Monday check-in. We'll have a chat, but not spill tea. Hey, it's the first Prez Monday check-in. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of the Monday check-in. This is the post pickleball edition of the Monday check-in. <laughs> My name is Damon Jensen Heitman. I'm one of the pastors, First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska. Joined by Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings. And um, yeah, it is the post pickleball edition. I guess the admission there is that on some Mondays we play pickleball. Usually we record the Monday check in before pickleball, but you're going to catch us after pickleball today, mm-hmm. which will change. The dynamic of the Monday check-in, no doubt. No doubt, no doubt. We'll see. Because our brains are tired as well as our bodies. (laughs) So the Monday check-in, for those who may not know, is a little thing that we do. We take a little preview of the upcoming week of worship, the upcoming Sunday at First Pres Hastings. We take a look at the scriptures, uh, a scripture, maybe multiple scriptures, the themes, the ideas, uh, ask questions of the text, allow the text to ask questions of us, have a little mini Bible study. And then following that, we switch gears. We talk a little bit about the life of the church. So and I think it's my turn to open with prayer. Indeed it is. All right, let's do that then. Loving and gracious God, let your presence be with us. Let your spirit be known in this time together as we begin our studies this week, as we start to take a look at the scriptures, as we consider the holy words that you might have for us in the days ahead, um, be with us. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to your wisdom. In your gracious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, this coming Sunday, there's a lot going on this coming Sunday. Should we list it all? We can try. We have a baptism. One. We're taking communion. Two. We're concluding our sermon series on the creeds and confessions. Three. It's Palm Sunday. Four. And the children's choirs have a special music piece, which is related to Palm Sunday, but also, I think, deserves its own numbering. Five. Anything else? We may or may not have a minute for mission. Six. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's communion Sunday, so we'll do a communion offering. Indeed. In addition to the regular offering. Yep. Seven. We will, our time with children will be the baptism, so we, we get double duty out of that one. Correct. There's not going to be a banner because of the confession and creed that we're reading this week that you'll hear about. Right. So we don't have to teach about a banner, but that's yeah. seven things, Damon. So there's a lot going on. I think we're talking like a... Five-minute sermon. Oh, well, okay. Should be doable. Cheers. That was actually in preaching class. That was our first assignment, was to write a five-minute sermon. I have an interesting thing that happens every week. Some people really struggled. Yeah. You you know who would really struggle with that assignment. (laughs) You know that, right? Not wrap their brains about it. I was like, oh, boom, done. This is great. (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah, so each week I write my sermon with the 1030 service in mind, and then um, typically after I've completed that and done my PowerPoint presentation for it with the images, 
uh, I will go back and I will cut it down to fit in the context of our 830 service. Yeah. And it's an interesting discipline to do every week. Um, and it makes me realize oftentimes how many extraneous words I am using. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And sometimes like, oh, I just, I really don't need that paragraph. Right. It's an interesting paragraph. It adds more information or context or something. And also, I really could get to the next one without it. Mm-hmm. So for those of you listening. Challenge. There's no doubt about it. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So for those of you listening, if you want a shorter sermon, come to the 830 service. <laughs> There's the lesson of the day. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I don't even preach a sermon at the 830 service. Sometimes sure. we just do Lectio Divina where we read the scripture and pause and reflect and ask a leading question and pause mm-hmm. and reflect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I oftentimes, if I were to ever do doctoral studies, mm-hmm. um, I'd, it would be on preaching. And I would um, consider the parallels between uh, the act of preaching and the act of comedy, in particular, like like stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I tend to listen to a fair number of comedians because I, th- I find the tasks to be incredibly similar, okay. actually. Um, Minus a, the proclamation of the word thing? Sure. I feel, I feel as though one of the basic good comedians and good preachers are both careful observers. That's fair. Right? Yeah. Um, and I think that in some ways the task is to observe the things that are going on and how potentially strange they are and point that out. Right? We're pointing it out perhaps in relation to different things, but it's similar work, I find, right? And, the, and it is a kind of truth-telling. Right? Good comedy is a kind of truth-telling, I, I find, right? Okay. So at any rate, there's this comedian who has since kind of been disgraced for a variety of reasons. He's Louis C.K. This is his name. Okay. Uh, he was on an episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld. Which is a great show. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Louis C.K. did, said that he did, one of his regular practices, was um, in order to make his sets better, he would write them all, and then most of the time you would put your best thing at the end of your set. He would take his best thing and put it at the front. And that would make then that would force everything else to get to the level of that thing. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, which sounds like a really difficult thing to do. Yeah. Right? Um, and then the same, and I sometimes think about it, like that when I'm writing a sermon, like, okay, what's my best thing? Right? Oh, this is my best thing. And then... If everything else needs to get to that point, which it never does, <laughs> um, yeah, then it just it just makes you look at it differently, yeah, than you would otherwise. But at any rate, that's an aside nobody asked for. But now you know how the sausage is made, as Damon and I plan and write our sermons. You know a little bit more about how my brain works, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, this coming Sunday, it has all of those things in it. And um, 
we're taking a look at creed we've been studying the historic creeds that are they got the stamp of approval they've been put in the book of confessions mm -hmm. right uh, and now we're studying one that falls outside of the book of confessions it has not yet been approved by committee. Oh, I like the not yet. <laughs> that was a very hopeful statement. Yeah, it could happen. Right? I think it could. So this is a, and actually the confirmands called it an affirmation of faith. Right. When they wrote it. This is an affirmation of faith written by the 2019 confirmation class. Which is the class that is graduating from high school this year. Correct. Of First Presbyterian Church. And you've been their youth pastor for four years. Yeah, something like that, I suppose. Uh, and you did not teach their confirmation class. So this was I did not. this creed or affirmation of faith that they've created was uh, written in their confirmation class, not influenced by Damon. Nope. Uh, except, well, no, at the point, at that point no. too, you, you also, you weren't doing youth group for the middle schoolers. So, um, yeah, I can tell you who was in that class. Shannon Renee Kennedy. These are the authors of this text. Shannon Renee Kennedy. Jackson Graves, uh, Eleanor Oliver, Campbell Shookai, and Claire Schwartz. They were assisted in the process by their confirmation teachers that year were Dave Cook and Neil Riley. So, um, so we're going to take a look at that. And then we've got a couple of psalms, uh, not scriptures, to go with it. So, I don't know where to start. I'm going to start with the affirmation of faith. Um, yeah, let's do that. All right. I'm just going to read it because it's relatively short. Um, this is the second one that I think was short enough to, will be short enough to print in full in the bulletin. And to use as our affirmation mm -hmm. of faith, which we're going to do following the baptism. Right. As opposed to following the sermon. Yeah. Which has a whole liturgical thing that we're not going to mm -hmm. get to today in our Monday <laughs> check-in. But yeah. we'll cycle back to that if, if we hear from you that you want to hear more about that. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Uh, it reads something like this. We believe God is the creator of heaven and earth. God listens to our prayers and comforts us. We believe he is merciful and forgiving toward all humans. He helps us to love all, all living beings and to serve him faithfully. We believe that God has a plan for each of us, even if we don't fully understand what it is. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God and is fully human and fully God. He is our Savior. He is our Savior who died on the cross to forgive our sins. We believe that Jesus is the human form of God who taught people about God while he was on earth. He wants us to be his disciples. We believe, we believe the Holy Spirit is part of God within us. The Holy Spirit helps us communicate with God and connects us all. We believe the Holy Spirit is the part of us that will live forever if we have faith in God and Jesus. We believe the church is a community of hope. The church is a safe gathering place. We believe the church helps people in need, teaches people about God, and cares for people in the community. That's it. That's the whole thing. Greg, what do you got? Um, it's got a Trinitarian structure. Starts out about their belief in God, then their belief in Jesus, then their belief in the Holy Spirit, uh, which sort of follows the same Trinitarian structure of the Apostles or the Nicene Creed. Mm -hmm. um, I like uh, 
I like some of their details and descriptions uh, here. I, I think... Uh, like which ones? Well, in particular, I like uh, that they perceive that God listens to their prayers and comforts them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that God helps us to love all living beings and that God has a plan for each of us, even if we don't fully understand what it is. I just, I, I think that's a beautiful description of God, the creator. Mm-hmm. Um, very personal. Yeah. Uh, the, the theological terms we talk about God is that God is radically imminent and radically transcendent. And this definitely reflects God's radical imminence. Mm-hmm. God is imminently with us. God is in our lives, in our world. And I like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, in my little notes that I took on, it's it's a highly relational mm-hmm. God. It's it's um, yeah, a God who uh, listens and comforts. Right, those are highly relational things. Yeah. To do, at least if you're doing them well. Yep. They're highly relational things. Um, like merciful and forgiving, uh, helping us. Um, God has a plan for each of us, mm-hmm. uh, which is a highly, highly relational thing. And that relational nature, I think, is also reflected in their description of Jesus. And of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think the it's, whole it's, thing it's, is it's across very, the whole thing. Yep. And the church as well. And, and I love that. The way that they think that. of church is also highly relational. I love that that's when these kids were eighth graders, that was their experience of God their experience of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and their experience of church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, um, you know, Jesus, uh, Jesus teaches people to be God and wants us to be his disciples, mm-hmm. right? wants to be in that sort relationship. of relationship. Right? Yep. The Holy Spirit uh, helps us communicate with God and connects all of us. Yep. Also very relational sort of thing. And the church, like the church, it's a community is how it's described. It's a gathering place. It helps people. It teaches people and cares for people. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty solid stuff. It is. It is. And the relational nature of this creed reminds me in my, uh, in seminary, when we were learning about the doctrine of the Trinity, one of the things about the Trinity is, is that God lives in relation with God's self in the Trinity hmm. and models relationship for us. Um, my, my seminary professor often referred to it as a dance. Uh, you know, that, that God, the creator, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are in this, in this perpetual dance, but are in relationship with each other and therefore are modeling that kind of loving relationship to us. That's one way to think about the Trinity and the impact the Trinity has on our lives and our understanding of God and our understanding of ourselves. And I see that very clearly in here. There's this beautiful relational dance between the three persons of the Trinity and humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the church sort of for them ties it all together. It's a stunning ecclesiology in far less words than I would use to describe <laughs> the role of the church. Yeah, well, they, do it. <laughs> they do it well, you know. There's nothing in there about sin. Uh, I'm trying um, to think of some of the other sorts of things yeah, that are generally. Jesus included. is our Savior and died on the cross to forgive our sins. Uh, okay, so sure. it's not it's not confessing sin, mm-hmm. right? But it's acknowledging sin and acknowledging yeah. Jesus's role in responding to sin. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it doesn't talk about the uh, sacraments, which creeds sure, and yeah. confessions often do. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't pull in the sacraments, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, that's not the place for this in their particular affirmation of faith, right? Sure, and you might, ass- like a person might assume, well, that's covered under the heading of teaches people about God, mm-hmm. the church, right? Yeah. You might assume that a church would use the sacraments to teach people about God. Yeah. Right, maybe, in some, but they're not named explicitly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no reference to the breaking of bread or to baptism. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a solid, solid affirmation of faith written by eighth graders, but I think certainly relevant to us and um, might be an interesting thing for you all to make a banner for this as your last project that you do with these graduating seniors. I could do that. We're probably running out of time. I kind of thought so. <laughs> to do that. Um, yeah, it's also interesting to me just the process of writing an affirmation of faith or a creed or a confession of faith. Um, this is something that we ask all of our confirmands to do um, individually. This class and a few other classes also wrote one corporately. Mm-hmm. Um, and then each member would have written their own individual um, affirmation of faith, statement of faith. And it's an interesting exercise, right? Because in some ways you feel as though you kind of um, need to cover the universe. And also, but also it needs to be in a way that you can wrap your own head around. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of a challenge. Yeah. Yeah, well, and... So then the confirmants uh, read their affirmations of faith first to the session, the leadership council of the church, and then they do it in church on Sunday morning, the, the morning that they're confirmed as members of the church. Uh, but I challenged my session after last year, after the confirmants came and read their statements of faith. Mm-hmm. I said, I think you as adults should try this out. Yeah. And I had session members take me up on it. And so for the rest of the, the year last year, uh, for our session meetings, a number of the elders in the church, uh, they, they were leading the devotional time mm. at the start of our session meeting, and they read their statements of faith and talked about the process of writing a statement of faith. And it was a powerful experience for those adults. First, it's a powerful experience to have these eighth graders have the courage to stand up and do this. Uh, but then it was a powerful experience for these adults to have to reflect on their own faith and put words to their belief system some of which they just sort of take for granted or assume and to have to actually think about it. And it was, uh, it's a neat exercise and it's one that we're going to continue to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be curious for me also, um, to the students that have come through and written a statement of faith, if they kept a copy of it to revisit it with them in even five years, uh, to revisit in five years or in 10 years or in 20 years or in 30 years. Um, and, you know, in the same way that we've seen development and things, a, a shifting focus or emphasis or uh, uh, applied to a particular issue of the moment 
in the other creeds and confessions that we have studied, it would be interesting to, okay, what of this thing that you wrote when you were in eighth grade, do you, are you holding on to? What are you adding to it? What are you modifying in some way in how you think of the divine or how you relate to the divine, right? Because I think that the things that are important to us about our faith when we're in eighth grade are sometimes the same and also sometimes decidedly different when we're in, when we're 18 or 28 or 38 or 58 or 88. Absolutely. Right? Um, and that's one of the things that I've been th- thinking about in... As I think about the sermon, uh, is just what what changes, right? And what are the what are the bedrock things that you know you can kind of always stand on, and what changes? And I'm also thinking about that in relation to the to the Palm Sunday narratives um, and the, the crowds. I guess we can read it in a little bit. But Jesus enters into Jerusalem. The crowds are very excited to see him. They lay the palm branches down. They lay their coats down on the ground. It's a time of high excitement and joy. And the week doesn't end in the same place. Right. Um, so, so I'm just thinking about how life changes, I guess, for all of us. And what are the things that are going to carry us through? Um, and what are the things that won't, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I have a, just relating my own, you know, part of the ordination process to become a Presbyterian pastor is that you have to write your own statement of faith, which is then you have to send every time you apply for a, a job. Sure. Uh, and so uh, when I applied for this job to be the pastor of First Presbyterian Church of Hastings, I had to include my statement of faith as part of my application materials. Um, and so that was written now seven years ago mm-hmm. and it would be an interesting process for me yeah. to go back and revisit my own statement of faith. Um, I know the closing line of my statement of faith has not changed. I, I to be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure what's in my statement of faith. It's well, pretty I orthodox. It pretty, pretty idea. closely follows. Yeah. Uh, but the closing line, and I, I caught grief for this, uh, from my presbytery when I was being ordained. Uh, which was surprising, frankly. But um, there's a scripture in the Gospels where um, Jesus heals the son of, uh, heals a child and um, then turns to the father and says, do you believe? And the father says, I believe Jesus, now help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. And that's the closing line of my statement of faith. Sure. Um, and I would stand by that as my closing line of my statement of faith still, uh, despite the fact that I got pushed back when I was ordained as a Presbyterian pastor with that being the closing line of my statement of faith. Because there, I perceive there needs to be a humility when you approach your faith. And to me, that's a good way to articulate humility. And that's a gospel way of saying, yeah, I, I believe, I believe. Lord, help me with my unbelief, because it's going to creep in oh, for in big and small ways over the course of a day or a week or a lifetime. 
And yeah. so I just, I, I've always appreciated that particular line in the gospel, and that's how I conclude my statement of faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even, I think that the way that we, even just the way that we understand faith changes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in part just because we change. Right? Um, the story of Noah. I understand that story much differently now than I did when I was in third grade. Certainly. And I am curious about different parts of that story now mm-hmm. than I was when I was in third grade. Yeah. So there is, and this is something that we've talked about while we've studied these creeds, there is this sense that things change, things shift, things move and the Holy Spirit in the midst of that mm-hmm. process um, what was what do we say every so like every faith has to every generation has to make their faith make the faith their own mm-hmm. in in some way shape and form and so yeah so I'm curious about what are the what are the bedrock things uh, are there bedrock things in here that a uh, a person who's graduating this year who wrote this five years ago would still affirm. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And what would they say? Oh, well, that's not what I meant. <laughs> right. Or, or would they say, yeah, that's true, but right. that's not actually an important part of how I describe right. God, the creator or Jesus or the Holy spirit. Now this is the important part of how I describe it. So I'm, yeah. I'm not discounting what I said before as an eighth grader. It's still true. However, what it doesn't articulate is this. Yeah, here's what I would add. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one of the, the scripture readings then that we're going to use for this coming Sunday is, I have two selected so far. Uh, first from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 21, this is verse 6 through 11. This is essentially the second half of the lectionary text. For the day. Which is long. I find it too long, and I find the first half to be uninteresting. Fair enough. To be honest. Okay, so uh, the first half, it has to do with um, how they got the donkey, is what the first half of it is. Jesus says, go into town, that you'll find a donkey or a colt there, and this is happening to fulfill what the scripture uh, has has been written. Right? Uh, we pick up at verse 6. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of God! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asked, Asking, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Is how it ends. Then also from Psalm 139. This is the first 12 verses. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. 
Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for the darkness is as light to you. Hmm. And that's how that part reads as well. I think a part I, I thought of this in part because it, it's also very relational mm-hmm. in nature. Uh, it, it depicts that imminence um, that you were speaking of earlier. And it also has this sort of foreshadowing uh, to some degree of there will also be difficult times. Mm-hmm. There will also be difficult moments. Um, and in those, even in those, I trust that you will still cover me. Yeah. Which I think goes well with with Palm Sunday <laughs> and this idea of, yeah, things are great now. But on Thursday, they're not going to be so great. Yeah. Right? Or on Friday, they're not going to be so great. So, I'm grateful that you're preaching on Palm Sunday, um, in part because I've run out of words to say about Palm Sunday for right now. <laughs> yeah, I'll have words again next year, but mm-hmm. um, I've preached it six week or six years in a row, and I think tying in the creed and this psalm is a beautiful way to approach it, and so uh, I'm I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So I think that it'll preach. I'm glad to hear that. So should we switch gears? Let's do that. All right. Life of the church. What's going on? All right. Uh, we have our standard Wednesday night programming this uh, this week. And so uh, pre-K through fifth grade, we'll do uh, Bible study and choir and supper from 5 to 645. And then we have our adult choir rehearsing at 645 and our adult bells rehearsing at 730. Uh, and then we're rolling into uh, the start of Holy Week for Palm Sunday. We've, at the beginning of the podcast, you heard us list off all of the incredible elements that will belong in the service on Palm Sunday. <laughs> we hope you can join us for that. Um, you'll be waving palms and cheering and doing all of the things. That's um, at the 1030 service. Correct. And we'll still have our 830 service, uh, which is a more contemplative style service in the chapel. So you can join us for that. And then in between is uh, Sunday school hour. And so we'll have Sunday school for all ages and also for adults. This will be our last adult ed forum on our series on the creeds and confessions. Dr. Dan Deffenbaugh is going to land the plane uh, on the brief statement of faith. He, he got almost all the way through it last week. And then he's going to study this creed that our confirmands have wrote. And then he's going to pose the question, what creed or confession do we need to write in Hastings, Nebraska in 2023. I thought the question was going to be, which one is better? Nope. <laughs> okay. And so the, the if you think you have an idea of what we need to be confessing as the church in 2023, come to the Adult Ed Forum 
and help Dan answer that question. So uh, that's Sunday, and then we roll into Holy Week, and so we yeah. should probably preview Holy Week. We probably should. So uh, Monday night, uh, this is just for folks who are on session and deacons. Sure. We're going to hold a, 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 a everyone's going to come gather here, and we're going to uh, call every member of our church and mm-hmm. pray for them. We're going to ask them if they have any prayer requests. We're going to write those down with their permission. And we're going to collect those prayer requests. And then we're going to pray for them. And that's going to be our discipline for Holy Week. And so if your phone rings next Monday night between the hours of 6 and 8 p.m., answer it. Even if it's a number you don't recognize. It will be a a member of session, a member of deacons, or a member of the staff who are calling to to pray with you. Um, And this is not something... We've done before, at least in the six years I've been in this church, and some of us are a little uncomfortable praying out loud. As, and so um, this is a chance for us to, to stretch ourselves a little bit, but also a chance for us to connect together during Holy Week. Um, that list of prayer requests will then be compiled, and that will be something that we'll use later in the week during the uh, Easter Vigil. Yeah. But before we get to the Easter Vigil, let's talk about we'll have a Monday Thursday service. Mm-hmm. This is the traditional service where we celebrate communion and also traditionally have done a foot washing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Thursday, April 6th. Correct. Not this thir- not this Thursday of this week, but next week. Thursday, April 6th. And Damon uh, made a good suggestion. Uh, so we will have a ritual of foot washing. And for those that are uncomfortable having their feet washed or washing other people's feet, we're also going to have a ritual of hand washing. So there will be a foot washing station and a hand washing station. I suppose you could hit both if you wanted to. Sure, why not? Uh, but so extra holy get some additional participation in this act of uh, of of service an act of humility of of helping out, out another person and so that's going to happen on Thursday night uh, at 7 p.m. Friday night at 7 p.m. is our Good Friday service mm-hmm. uh, Damon has done that historically and uh, we'll be doing it again this year um, and he's put together a really meaningful uh, liturgy that is uh, appropriate for you to bring your families and your kids to. We don't yeah. dwell heavily on sort of the, the torture or the gore of the passion, but um, mm-hmm. instead move into a space where we can uh, fully appreciate the work of Christ uh, on the cross and prepare ourselves for Easter. And so we hope you can join us for that on Friday. At the close of that service on Friday, we start a prayer vigil here at the church, and we hold vigil from the end of Good Friday until Easter morning, so you'll be hearing, uh, you'll be invited to sign up for the prayer vigil. We hope you can join us for that. And then also that list of prayer requests that we're generating on Monday will be part of that prayer vigil. So when people come down for an hour of prayer signed up in the chapel, they will be able to um, see that list and pray over that list of prayer requests in our congregation. So that's, uh, that's what it's looking like. And then we make it to Easter Sunday. Yeah. And then Easter Sunday we'll have two services have an 8.30 service and a 10.30 service, those services will be the same service. They will both be in the sanctuary. They will both feature chancel choir and bells and cathedral brass and organ. So um, so I suppose, I guess, whichever, if you want to come to church before or after breakfast, or both. Damon and I will both be here at both services. At least I think so. We haven't talked about that yet. But. Yeah, that's my intention. Yeah, well, yeah. come join us for mm-hmm. both. Yeah. We might even wear white robes that morning just 
to throw you off. Well, tell him. Don't give it away. Oh, shoot. <laughs> no, nobody's going to come. No, 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 no surprises there. Yeah. We'll say. Um, so, yeah, so no contemplative service on Easter morning to kind of full-throated uh, Easter morning <laughs> services. Which conclude with the singing of the Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah. Which is appropriate because it's actually an Easter Mass. Indeed. And not a... Uh, Christmas. Not an Advent or Christmas Mass. Yeah. So, for all you highly liturgical folks out there. Oh, I was going to say for all you pedants out there. I <laughs> <laughs> wonder when you hear it at Christmas time, why are we singing this at Christmas time? It's because it's nice. That's why. Um, <laughs> what else? Anything else? I think that's it. Should I close this in prayer? Yeah, we should probably do that. All right. Before I get myself into more trouble. Let's, uh, let's pray. Mm-hmm. Gracious God, we thank you for the witness through the years of the people who took time to sit down and write creeds and confessions uh, all the way back from the Council of Nicaea through to our, uh, our confirmation class in 2019. We thank you for the ways that those creeds and confessions still speak to us today and tie us together and uh, draw us closer to you. So bless our study of this affirmation of faith this week. Bless our study of your Holy Scripture as we prepare our hearts and minds to begin Holy Week with uh, Palm Sunday celebration. We ask all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, then with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.